Okay, so the reason I started a new way was I I wanted people to see that there were other choices um, in, you know, when they experience emotional distress. And, you know, if away from the kind of medical uh, model, if that's what you want. And one of the things that I feel has helped me enormously is sea swimming. And today we have a very special guest, Nuala Moore. And um, thank you so much for joining us, Nuala. And thank you for being so patient. My electricity went out this morning and Nuala was very patient and um, ready to do it anytime today. So that was brilliant. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, we have read so much about you. Do, do you want to just give us a brief um, kind of introduction about yourself and we'll go from there? Yeah, um, thank you so much. And again, um, patience is what we have with the sea. As you know, at this stage, we we all want to go swimming every day and we can't. So life has given us great patience. Uh, so you're very welcome for, for, um, for having me and thank you very much. So my name is obviously Nuala Moore, as you've introduced. I have been involved in sea swimming all of my life since a very young child. I have lived and uh, been brought up in Dingle, but I was born in Donegal, so I'm a West, a West Coast cookie. Awesome. From, yeah, from a very young age, I, you know, my father would take us out on the boat and he would throw us in at the pier um, and at the mouth of the harbour and we would swim home. And, and oftentimes people told me I should rethink that story because, you know, maybe there was something in it that he'd throw us in the water every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, maybe his intention was that we wouldn't make it home, who knows? <laughs> Um, but in my swimming career, I suppose I don't look at it as anything other than a way of life. Mm. Um, growing up by the sea and being involved in the sea as a child, I went to the sea to get away from chores. Yeah. Um, you know, you're kind of saying like, you know, there's a load to be done at home. Mm. So, you know, anytime you knew there was a load to be done at home, you headed for the beach mm -hmm. and you didn't come home until it was dark. Yeah. Um, in 2005, I was invited on to Around Ireland Swim Project. So we started in Donegal and over 56 days, we swam all the way around Ireland. Yes. So that in itself was an amazing project. I saw, yeah, I read about that. And yeah. this was the time when you couldn't move, you put your arm up in the air for a year afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you go back to 2006, like we didn't have any you know, any of the, I suppose, the understanding of what it is now, what you had was the brute force and ignorance and like you're in too deep. So yeah. the first few, like we trained for a year. How do you train to swim around Ireland? How do you train for anything? You train for what you understand. And then as you know, in life, the challenge comes with the experience. Yeah. So, you know, when we started in Donegal, there were six main swimmers, but well, five main swimmers and the expedition leader, but there were six swimmers in total. And we covered 24 miles a day between us. But some of those miles took an hour yeah. because of the conditions. So we would relay the north coast of Ireland. We came down the, the west coast or the east coast really quickly because the water on the east coast of Ireland is very fast. Tides run north south. So therefore, we got to Tusker Rock and then we turned the south coast after two and a half weeks. And then when we turned the south coast and we started to swim west, when we were swimming west, I suddenly realized how big Cork is. We were we were off the car coast for what seemed like a year, but yeah. it took us like weeks to swim the south coast because we were 20 miles. If you can imagine 16 miles off the southwest coast, like I was swimming past the fastness. So the reason we went that far out is because that the water isn't all these waves. Yeah. 
and obviously with the coast of the southwest and the south it's all in and out mm. so we go that far out to try and get a straight line but at this point um a mile was 50 minutes because you're going against the conditions of the water the tides are running this way and you're swimming this way plus you're physically exhausted yeah and what are you coming up against are there jellyfish are you getting stung like is this is that a problem? yeah and I think this is what really exposed how we understand things to me as a person, because you look at the challenge, like you're looking at the physical challenge. Yeah. And like for us, it was how do you get up every day and do it again? Mm. You know, like you're in Groundhog Day. And I think in the pandemic, I think we're all experiencing that. Yeah. You don't know if it's Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Thursday. You know, you get up, you present, you try to put on your happy face, but there's so many other challenges. And then you question why you're doing it. So the, the physical challenges of jellyfish and marine environment, the conditions of the waves, they become nothing to the pain of not achieving what you set out to achieve that day. Yeah. So if we only achieve 20 miles between the boats, then you know that's a fail for us, but it's not, we were amazing. Yeah. So we started to swim by time, like sometimes we swam for like six hours, and then you are out in the boat for 16 hours and then you have to go in, you have to get something to eat, you have to go to bed, you have to get up and you have to do it again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then you're meeting the challenges of the team because you're in a confined space and everybody's in that space. And, and it's really hard to have a tantrum on a five meter boat. Yeah. Like you want to throw your boat, you want to throw your bottle, you want to scream, but everybody's in it together. Yeah, yeah. And so life, yeah. So, a sting is something I can treat, yeah. but the emotional challenges were things I couldn't manage. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, every day they would say, are you OK to swim? But what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I can rotate my arms yeah. and you start to question your your sense of failure then if you quit. Yeah. So how do you when people tell you and I think this kind of feeds into a little bit of what we were talking about earlier is like, you know, when people say, are you OK to swim? What does that mean? Yeah. Can you rotate your arms or is there a cost to this swim? Yeah. And sometimes when you look at the people who are going in in really rough conditions and I look at them and I kind of think, right, there's no value to being in the water at this particular time because something can go wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. And then when we got to the southwest coast, because my father was a really hardcore fisherman, when we got to the southwest coast, um, daddy always said to me, when you turn mizzen, you will be given a freedom of the water running up the west coast. Mizzen is that point where the tides hit the west coast and the southwest coast of Kerry and Cork and they spin sideways. So you're going to get that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. You're not against it anymore. Yeah. yeah, and then you're not. But then you're also dealing with the Atlantic, which is coming in and these undulating swells. So at that point, yeah, so there's always challenges. So when people talk about swimming around Ireland, it's not about the swim. No. It's just some of the parts and it's working with teams. It's having the ability to sit on a small boat with a very small amount of people and understand the politics. Yeah. And trust your team and understand that you are this specific person and you're so valuable. But at the same time, you're a tiny piece of yeah. the puzzle. You're so vulnerable as well in the sea. Um, I I suppose I started swimming last winter and before, previous to that, I would have seen people in the water in winter and I would have thought of, you know, they obviously either don't feel the cold or they're nuts. Um, 
And then when I started to do it, I realized they do feel the cold and they're definitely not nuts. Like this, this does something to you. It's so exhilarating. And just when you start going in, when you go in first and you, you just get that shock, um, it just shocks you to the core. And like I've, I've tried to train my breathing so that I'm not going <gasps> because I, I feel like that makes you so much worse and you kind of can talk yourself out of it, but you can actually breathe deep and slowly as you go in the water, which I, I never expected I could do. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when I'm in there, I'm just laughing and shouting and no matter what kind of week I've had or day I've had up to that point, I go in there and I'm, I've got the biggest smile on my face and it, it just releases these endorphins that I feel like last the whole day and, it, and you feel like you've achieved something so huge. Um, so I definitely get, like I get the benefits of it. And um, I suppose I just want to ask you, like you, like you seem to be, um, you know, a marathon swimmer for so long and then you turned to ice swimming. Um, and just really, you know, below zero freezing conditions. Why was that sudden change? Or yeah, um, I think one of the very interesting thing is that um, um, is, and I, I think I'll, I'll touch on this on two points. Mm. Uh, one is that up until 2011, I was on, and I don't mind saying it because every one of us who does things, I was on the cusp of my own greatness. Mm -hmm. I had worked incredibly hard after swimming around Ireland and developing a very solid marathon career. And I would have found my position in swimming in, in Ireland and in the world to be quite elevated. Um, in 2011, I had swam Lake Zurich and I podium finished. I got a silver medal and, and I was very excited. It was a 26 kilometer swim across Lake Zurich, 12 hours in the water. And then in 20, that summer, I ended up in New York and I was um, in the, the United Nations building speaking to all these world professional swimmers. And I felt that was my position. And, and suddenly it kind of, it validated all of the sacrifices that I made. Yeah. Now that particular winter, um, uh, my father had a fall and and or my life shifted that I was no longer living with my father, even though our house is very big. Um, he was suddenly living with me. Mm. And, and there was this challenge whereby I, I, I became time poor. I had all of these strains on my emotions that I hadn't experienced before. And suddenly I am sitting in a sitting room waiting for my father to get out of bed for two and a half hours, hours that my peers are swimming. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, how is this possible? Like, how am I going to lose everything I worked for? And then I kind of realized, okay, I have a choice. My choice is to actually um, accept the situation in a defeatist manner or to reach into an area that I'm really good at, which is, as you said there, pain management. Yeah. Because once you understand that the ice is not dangerous, and you have your very specific timeframes, then it is a journey in the ice and in the cold water. So that winter, um, I became very down on myself and I became very, I suppose, emotionally, I suppose I fought a lot of myself. I fought a lot of the better self of looking after my father. Um, but I think I was more angry at the fact that my peers didn't share my, you know, they were moving on with the sport and I wasn't with them. And I think that's something we can struggle with because we should fit in here. 
So what happened was that I, through my contacts, I had been made aware that there were swims in, in Siberia. Now the air temperature was minus 33 and the water temperature was zero. And the most I had swam was in the sea in Dingle at 10 degrees. <laughs> and that's, that's cold enough. It is. And I was kind of saying to myself, hold on, what's the plan here? The plan is to get a bit of respite. And the respite wasn't from my father, the respite was from myself, yeah. because my brain was, I was losing control of my focus. Yeah. And I think every one of us, and I know people say they go into the water for this and this and this, but for me, the cold water is about control. Mm. Now, obviously, when you're talking about this, <gasps> like there is medical conditions on this, um, and if maybe sometime you want to do a little Zoom webinar with some of your, your people on the impact of cold water and cold shock, I, I would gladly join in. Um, but that actually triggers an arrhythmia. So it's very important when you enter the water to just, you breathe. Yeah. And we can touch on that. I know we're going to do a little bit on cold water safety at the end and how you get into the cold water. Yeah. But going back, I had a choice um, to sit at home and know that my world had left me behind or to find a new world. And I think a load of people at the moment are talking about their new tribe and, and their new groups and their new friends. And there's such a placebo effect attached to that. Mm. So what I did is with Anne-Marie Ward, who was, um, who is an amazing uh, swimmer and a great friend of mine, was on the Round Ireland Swim with me. She and I headed off to Siberia. We had never in our lives been in minus 33 air and we had never swam at zero, but we decided we are fabulous so we can do this. So the, the, we decided to take on the temperature of um, uh, uh, what, sorry, the distance of a thousand meters because my previous swim bear in mind was 26 kilometers. So a thousand meters is 20 minutes. Who gets out of bed for 20 minutes when you, when you do long swims? So I'll never forget getting off the plane and going, oh, I, can't, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then going down in the morning and they had a chainsaw and they were, and this was our pool. And I think people are familiar with photographs now, okay. but at that particular- yeah, I know the photo, yeah, the photo we put on the bio. That's, so yeah. that's okay. Yeah, it would have been. But to get into that water is similar to your experience in getting in initially. Yeah. <gasps> You, you, you have that, but you have to control it. Yeah. But my initial response to that was to get into the water. The maximum I was able to breathe was for 150 meters. Now I had traveled four flights around the world to Southwestern Russia yeah. to swim for 150 meters because I couldn't breathe and I couldn't swim. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm a failure. And then I remember coming home and, and I had all these dreams of like, oh my God, I can still do this because it's possible. I can't understand it, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. And you must look back now at your very first swim where you, you, you were going through all of this and you figured out the pathway to make it work. So I then, um, the following few weeks, I trained up in Peddler's Lake and I, I brought a heart rate monitor and I brought a thermometer with ky jelly because i needed to figure out if i really was cold but you know you have to figure it out yeah. i had a pump oximeter i had a pen and paper and i would swim for 10 minutes in freezing waters in the, the mountain and then i would shoot home to the fire get my dad out of bed 
but sure it's perfect i had my training session done in 20 minutes and do you find like every day you get kind of used with that little bit more no, at that time, but I just finished up that actually six weeks later, I went back to Russia and mm -hmm. I became the first Irish swimmer in 2013 and the first, the third woman in the world to achieve this distance. And it was all because of the mechanical understanding of the breathing. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to that statement. If you can't breathe, you can't swim. Yeah. And for me, when we go into the sea and when we take on anything, we have this tendency to build a monster it's going to be this it's going to be this it's yeah. going to be that the reality is it's cold yeah yeah <laughs> and for anybody who's ever had any emotional issues or has any any challenges in their life pain is the one thing that we can manage mm. if we can get control of our breathing yeah and i i noticed that when i'm driving towards the beach there's all there's noise in my head and i choose to just put it to the back of my head so I'm driving along, I'm not thinking about the swim, not thinking about anything. And then I get there and I go, oh, Jesus, this is happening. Like, is this happening? It is, it is, it is. And then I, I just, I go in and it just feels so amazing. Like it really because does. Because you control your breathing. Yeah. Because you need to control your breathing. And I've always said it, you go in with all these voices in your head and you come out freezing. Yeah. So you can only focus on one thing at a time. Your body only deals with the one thing and that's your cold. Yeah. So the voices are like, Meow, they disappear. Yeah. And, and your body would go into like fight or flight mode, doesn't it? Like it, your body just feels that stress at the start. And I, like, is it true that your body can't distinguish stress? So like you could be stressed about something in the warmth of your own home, or you could be in the ocean and your body still just thinks it's, you know, under this like complete stress. But then when you kind of go past that and you stay in the water and um, your body, I, I, I read somewhere that it just, it, it's able, it's, it's got the capability then to kind of take things on and, you know, like. Just I think, I think what, yeah, I think really what you're looking at Claire there is that you have a situation where your body is in survival mode. Yeah. When you put your body in any extremes, extreme circumstances, mm -hmm. the fight or flight that you talk about, yeah. um, if you can just imagine when you go into the sea, the moment you go in, okay, your body has go, goes through all these changes. Mm -hmm. Your blood is moved into your core, your hands and, and hands and feet get really cold. Mm -hmm. Your heart has to go boom, 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 boom. You've got to control that. I don't know if you pee, but a lot of people pee initially going in because <laughs> of the vasoconstriction. It puts pressure on your bladder. Okay. So... In the first few minutes of going into the water, your kidneys are working, your lungs are working, your heart is working, your brain is screaming, your body's like, wow, wow, wow. That is when you are actually at your most heightened. Mm. And I think, you know, every now and then, you know, you're there in your life. And I think you can create these monsters. You develop all these issues that sometimes if you walk away and have a cup of tea with a friend, you can quell them in the sea. When you go in, you have to focus on your breathing because all of your organs are like, meh, 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 meh. what are you yeah, doing? It shuts off then. It uh, has to because you're in survival mode. Yeah. And we forgot to mention this is like without a wetsuit. This is, you know, you're in togs, you're, you have a swimming cap, goggles. Um, I remember a, a few couple of months ago, I had no cap on, no um, neoprene pad on or anything. 
and I love going under the water. I love doing that, you know, float where you're floating on top. So I done that and uh, I got the most horrendous brain freeze, but it was my own stupidity because um, I obviously didn't realize that you need to wear these caps and these neoprene um, materials to protect yourself and goggles. Cause I've watched your video on goggles and you know, you've got half your face covered. Um, so yeah, I kind of stood up and I was like, oh my God, I, I just, yeah. but like, I, it kind of um, shocked me, but I came home and ordered a hat and you know, yeah. it was the end yeah. of that, I'd never do that again. <laughs> No, but you see, the thing about it is that there's a value to it because it vasoconstricts all the blood vessels and it really can give you that shock. And sometimes when you come out, you feel like something out of a Bond movie. You know, you're just coming out of the water. Now, we look like nothing out of a Bond movie. Maybe you would, but I don't. Um, uh, but I think it's really important that if you want to wear your hat, well, I would obviously, sorry, in, in winter, I would always suggest to wear even two hats yeah. and earplugs. Yeah. And the reason I put the mask on and I, I don't wear the goggles is that you keep all of this area protected yeah. from yeah. The, um, the cold because the longer you can keep your brain warm, yeah. the better your decision making because yeah. there's still a science attached to it. Um, and in this time of year, 10 minutes is a really long swim. Yeah. So time yeah. is really important to have a watch. But the way I would look at it, you know, and a friends of mine do it as well, and I do, is just as you're coming out of the water, just take off your hat and mm -hmm. dunk your head backwards. Yeah, yeah. Just have that moment. If you love it, my friends love it. I Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But there's a waterfall at one of the beaches and I would often stick my head under it with that freezing water. Mm -hmm. um, it's just coming off the, the cliff and it is invigorating. Yeah. But you have to be careful with the vertigo type feeling when you lose a bit of blood to your head. Mm -hmm. um, so no, definitely the hats are vital and the mask is vital because yeah. the longer you can keep your brain warm, the better your decision making, because the decision making is very important. Yeah, and I feel, which I was surprised about, I felt like when I went in, it only took about a minute and that that feeling of being freezing had gone. And I was able to stay in for a few minutes. I didn't really want to come out, but I felt like I should in case, you know, because my fingers were, were starting to feel a bit numb. But even coming out, I, I wasn't freezing. I was actually colder going in there than I was coming out. Um, and I, yeah, that surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. And I even sat down in my town and just looked, looked at the water for ages. And I know you do a lot of your videos uh, just as you come out of the water and you're standing around, you're not like, <laughs> you're, you know, yeah. you're fine. You, you become acclimatized to the experience. Yeah. Um, the shivering is not, it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing because it allows your body to heat up. Mm. But technically speaking, when you go in to these on days, um, it's only superficial cooling. It's only just the top layer of your skin. Yeah. Um, so you can actually heat up relatively quickly if you have all the gear, because I have all the gear, but I also have my little flask and a cup of tea. And, yeah. you know, for me, it's about the experience. Yeah. But I would always say to people, you know, make sure that you have a very specific time frame in mind. Mm. Um, and, and it's really important as well that, you know, the cold shock passes in about 90 seconds to two minutes. And after that, you're moving. But if do you have gloves? Do you ever wear gloves, Claire? I, I have a pair, but it's going to be my first time using them. So yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah. I think protecting your peripheral, my hands are pretty badly damaged, yeah. um, but protecting your peripheral is really important and it will change your swim enormously. Mm. Um, and when you come out and your hands are warm, it gives you the feeling that that pain isn't there. Um, and the, the blood going back into your hands is done in a better controlled manner. Mm. So the gloves are going to be a great asset and some people are wearing the socks going in. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the last hero died in the war. We're not looking for heroes here. We're looking for experiences. And, and that's really important to make your experience as positive as you can so that you can enjoy the experience. Yeah. Nula, I just want to talk about Drake's Passage because oh, yeah. I'm fascinated at that. And I just, it, it just, like, it's beyond my scope of even understanding how anybody could do that. But um, Drake's Passage is in between South America and the Antarctic, is that right? Yeah. And you decided to go out there for a swim and you got to the lighthouse and the keeper there said, you can go, but your boat isn't um, because I don't want their lives put at risk. So you had to make that decision whether you were going to go ahead and do it or not, which mm -hmm. was, I, I, I presume, like really difficult. Um, and you, you went ahead and did it anyway, of course. <laughs> and I just want to know what you were feeling when you swam away from that boat knowing that like this is the most dangerous thing you probably have ever done i'd imagine um, and god only knows what kind of creatures are in the water i presume i don't want to say monsters because the poor creators are just you know living their lives in their own home but um huge humongous creatures i'd imagine in the water and you're swimming away you know in one of the most dangerous treacherous waters in the world how how does that feel like what what was going through your mind um, I suppose back in 2011, that was on my radar to do, but life changed, as I said. Um, so it was always there and I never wanted that swim to be the casualty of my life change. Yes. So I needed to go back there to revisit something that was in the back of my head. I also knew that the sum of all of my experiences from swimming around Ireland and, and in the middle of it, we were part of a team to swim from Russia to America across the Bering Strait. Mm -hmm. So like all of these things are, they add up to you having a skill set. Yeah. Um, and I think all of that, you know, all of that is really important when you look at any achievement. It's like who you are as a person, your life circumstances, you know, the fact that you manage all of these variables in your own life, um, they transfer into a swim like that. So it's not about the swim. Yeah. So back in 2018, um, actually next this week uh, coming, I was starting to leave uh, two years ago. Um, I had committed to doing three swims, had to cancel one in Magellan. Um, I had invested all my savings. I had used up all of my brownie points. I had told my family that this would happen. Um, so I had a lot of emotions invested into this moment. Mm -hmm. And you also have this immense confidence that you are capable of this greatness. Yeah. So I think you are dealing with a really, really tough balance of, of eggs in your basket. Because if you don't do these things, then you have to deal with the emotional stress of letting yourself down. And a lot of times, um, and I'll get to the swim in a second, but a lot of times people think, oh God, what will other people think of me? But my, my problem is what I feel about myself. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't control um, other people's, opinions of me and and they're out there there's a lot of people have a lot of opinions how endeavor at three o'clock in the morning if i wake up 
I have to be happy with me. Yeah. Um, and the sea has not. Yeah. Yeah, but the sea has always the sea levels us. It gives us that moment where we are able to breathe, and you feel that sense of emotional security when you are in the sea. A lot of people get in there and blast through it. I can see you feel this security mm. and even though you're exposed to all these risks you feel a sense of being in there so going down there uh, no other person in the world had ever swam this far south of cape horn now cape horn is a set of islands and cape horn mm. is the most southern island so we leave mainland chile um and for about probably about 20 hours or 18 hours we are steaming south on a boat <laughs> and suddenly realize there is nobody coming there is no helicopter. There is no 999 call. So I had a wonderful team in place. And again, I had put a very substantial five figure sum into this, all borrowings and all that I would have to pay back. Mm. So that adds pressure. Yeah. So heading south and south and south and south, and suddenly you are here. And at this point on the globe, as we say in Drake Passage, you have 55 degrees south. And they say that at 40 degrees south, there is no uh, law. And at 50 degrees south, there is no God. So basically, a lot of it is that you have the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Antarctic Oceans, they're meeting. Yeah. So when you turn the world on its axis, you have all the oceans of the world meeting there, the three oceans. Yeah. So therefore, you, it is literally like a jacuzzi. The water is 4,000 meters deep. And it is rising up onto a shelf of 30 meters, making these waves, rogue waves that are just turning and twisting. So yeah, for yeah. a swimmer, putting yourself in there, the problem is that one of those waves could turn me, like in the Bering Strait, and my team can lose me. Yeah. So that's the risk. The monsters underneath me are nothing to the potential to human error. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I got down there and the, the lighthouse keeper lives on the island for a year at a time, he's a member of the Chilean Navy, he radioed us and he said, the conditions are okay for the swimmer. They're not great, but they're okay for the swimmer. There was three to four meter waves, which are 16 foot waves. Mm. At water temperature, seven degrees, so colder than we have here. But he was not comfortable putting my safety boat, which is the Zodiac in the water with me. So my decision was, I could go into the bay where the previous group of swimmers swam. Uh, there was a South African team and they swam from one lighthouse to the other. But to me, that was like swimming in venturing. I had my life's energies, every commitment I had made to myself in the other swim. So the difference is that I have to close my eyes, decide if I can trust myself and trust my team. And I learned a lot about myself during swimming around Ireland and the Bering Strait Relay. So I had my child to Prague, I had my father's medals, I had a big committee, my Martin de Porres, you have to have a you have to have a committee meeting. So I went back downstairs when the lighthouse keeper said, you have a choice, you can swim in in the safe bay of Cape Horn where the other swimmers were, or you can head south two miles and take on this swim. And I cried, I bawled my eyes out, I lost control. And I sat there with my big committee of the child of Prague, the medals, the whole lot. And I just said, this is me. You know, I am capable of this. So I went up and I said to my team, I'm taking it on. And I trust that you will get me out of the water. Yeah. 
So the very first moment when the boat, when I was lowering into the water, I wouldn't let go because once you let go, you have to trust yourself. And that is the hardest thing in the world is trusting yourself. So I released my hand and I I couldn't breathe and I started to cry. And I remember thinking to myself, they will think I'm an idiot. And I just thought, swim, swim. So I I stuck my face in the water and I looked up at Cape Horn and over 10,000 people have drowned here over the years of the shipping. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is what you're capable of. You know, you are phenomenal. And every time I reached out, I used to reach out and pull it towards me because when you reach out into the darkness and you pull it towards you, you're getting closer. You've no idea what you're pulling, but every time my arm went under, I drove forward, not because I was swimming the distance, Mm. but because I was very closer to understanding my greatness. And I think if we just step down a little bit and we realize it's those moments of trust, it's not what other people think. It's how we view ourselves and just letting go that moment I let go. I'll never forget the feeling of if they lose me, I will die within two hours. Mm. But I knew they won't. And I knew I would not let go. And I literally I remember saying like it's not about a distance of swimming. I was at the heightened level of survival for two hours. Nothing came into my brain. Sorry, for 32 minutes. Nothing came into my brain. I sang the Brendan Voyage yeah. around Terra yeah. del Fuego and up the Warren Rough Scream because it goes into Dingle for the night. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, every one of us is on the cusp of something if we just yeah. let go. And I think that's important what you said. You know, we find it so hard to trust ourselves. And I think when you're experiencing any kind of emotional distress mental health issues yes it's you know it's important to seek help and everything but I think people miss that they have so much in themselves as well to heal themselves they have so much that they can do for themselves to give them that kind of clarity and um just and to, trust, and to trust the people around them Yes. Build a team, create your team and those who are willing with the skill set, those people who have your back. Yeah, because letting go requires having a safety plan for yourself and that safety plan or your team. Mm. So everybody needs to be honest and there needs to be communication. And you also need people to be willing to let you risk it. Yeah. There's so many variables there. There's, there's so many articles as well about um, sea swimming and depression and, you know, cure depression. What, what do you think about that? Because I know we had a brief chat about it earlier, but. Yeah, you see, for me, I think we, again, it goes back to the statement, what is depression? Mm -hmm. I think you have clinical depression. You know, there are people who have come off medication, but we really do need to know exactly what it is that the individual is suffering. Yeah. There is no research or there is absolutely no definite answer because nobody has, sorry, no size, one size fits all. Mm. Therefore, there is so much placebo. If you are having a really tough day and you have all these emotional stresses and by God, we're in a pandemic now, Mm. you know, going to a beach, there is so much positivity in the colors of green and blue. There is absolute research that green and blue therapy lifts our mood. We are blessed to be surrounded by green and blue. 
So you have that, you have camaraderie, you have shared experience, mm -hmm. you have control of your breathing, you have a sense of achievement. Yeah. So you go in every day and you move along an extra second. You feel the confidence to put your head underwater. You have that, oh! <laughs> and I think the one thing that we fail ourselves at is that sense of unadulterated laughter. Yeah, that yeah. you actually give yourself the permission to go, woo! Yeah, I love that. And feel that mm. because if you have all of that combined, I don't know if it's a cure for depression, mm. but it certainly goes a long way to making you feel good. Definitely. So. I don't I would never have somebody who has a clinical diagnosis of depression to say that cold water swimming is its cure. What I will say is that there is so much there that gives you more tools. Yes. You are belonging to a team. You are also having the ability to go woo 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 woo. Yes. You have a cup of coffee. You breathe. Yeah the sound of the sea the waves i know it's amazing and i i always took it yeah. for it. i i, I know never had. Yeah. it's only this year and I, it just feels so good and i feel like i have that hold that grasp on my own well-being and that feels so powerful to me um, and it comes down to the statement if you can't breathe you can't swim, you can't cry and run. Like all of everything that goes with anxiety and stress, it does not work with open water swimming. It doesn't work with the cold. So if you want to go into this tunnel of fabulous, you've got to get control of yourself. And there is the beauty. Yeah. What about for people that would suffer from say arthritis or they have you know bad knees or you know bad shoulders are they able to do it or is the cold water going to affect that negative like, what do they do with injured horses they bring them into the sea mm -hmm. there's a therapeutic response from cold and particularly salt water to our joints now mm -hmm. my hands are pretty bad but that's from the constant exposure but there has been a lot of evidence recently i don't know if you've seen the article where cold water swimming is associated with the um inflammation with the benefits are of reducing the inflammation in the brain. Mm. So therefore, anybody who has had any type of an injury um, and they go into cold water swimming, then the body reduces the inflammation around that area by nature of the freezing. Yeah. So there's been great results on that if people would like to look it up on dementia and Alzheimer's, which yeah. is fabulous. But the other thing about it is that if you go in, I have a friend who had a double hip replacement. She can do, she, when she was recovering, she could do the splits in the sea, but she can't do it on the land. Yeah, yeah. So if you go into the sea and you have any type of an injury, you can hyperextend your legs, your arms, you can jog, you can punch. Mm. And for people who are not good swimmers, Claire, they should go in and do the twisty, 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 twisty. Yeah. Get a jogging jacket. You know those aqua jogging jackets? Yeah. Yeah. So just get in there and use yeah. that as a buoyancy aid yeah. and do the twisties. It's so liberating. It is so liberating. Are there ever times that you go down to the beach and you dip your toe in and you go, Jesus, it's freezing, and just go home and light the fire or something? Or are you committed every time? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I like I don't feel that need anymore. Yeah. Um, I go there if it's for me. I you know what? My my hardship is done. I have pushed my body into the abyss. Uh, in these conditions two years ago, I was training for two hours. I was swimming in that water for two hours because of Cape Horn. Yeah, um, yeah. 
for the Bering Strait the same. So my hardship is done. I have enough medals. I have enough. Before we go any further, that's my Guinness World Record. Woo -woo -woo. Yay! And that's my other one. I'm officially amazing. See? <laughs> that's why I do it. We all have one of them, I think. Woo -woo -woo. But yeah, so I go there and if if I don't, you know, I mean, if it's pouring rain, why would I be bothered? Yeah. Um, yeah, I get what I need when I need it. And I know it, I know it's there, so I'm blessed. So after after some time of doing it do you feel the cold like uh, just that initial kind of shock does that kind of does that ever go no 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 it, and anybody who tells you that they don't feel the cold they feel the cold but they're not they become acclimated yes so the cold never becomes the problem yes. the problem comes when they become complacent and cocky because then injuries if you look at all the accidents and and the incidents this year 99.9 percent .9 of them were experienced swimmers mm. so all the airlifts all the rescues majority of those were experienced swimmers so like i think it's really important that the majority of normal people who just went in for the regular dips they acted so brilliantly, mm. but no, you always feel the cold, you feel the discomfort, but like have somebody who might have three or four glasses of wine and be prepared for the hangover, you are aware of the ramifications yeah. and you're willing to take on the discomfort. Where can people go? Like if people want to start doing this, um, it's obviously not advisable to do it on your own, like the first few times, maybe, I don't know, but where are there groups available like are there communities obviously this is after covid um does one but uh... um, there's wonderful groups online like in facebook now there's wild swimming ireland and you can always reach in there i think a lot of areas have their own sea swimming groups and you can reach in and see if there are things i mean if you are on your own and you're just getting wet find yourself a very confined space yeah. and have a friend who doesn't swim come down with you and sit there or a family member and just basically go like as long as you can't touch the ground with your hand you do not need to be beyond your depth yeah so you go out to water up to your chest, you have your few strokes, you lie back, you enjoy the experience and you get out. Yes. So you don't need to be more than five meters from the shore. You don't even need to be more than three meters from the shore. Yes. So you go into the water up to your chest, lift your feet off the ground and enjoy the experience. And as long as when I was doing a lot of my training swims, as long as my hand doesn't touch the sand when I push it down, I am in water deep enough to swim. So initially, enjoy the experience in a safe, confined space near a pier, near a slipway, in a very, lakes are dangerous and rivers are dangerous this time of year. So technically speaking, stay within your limits um, for enjoyment. But once COVID lifts, a lot of area have groups. Yeah, and how do you know whether to stay clear of the water? Are there like you just google the sea reports or what yeah i mean i think everybody should get familiar so i mean obviously go to the area a few times check out the waves check out the wind um like if if there are big waves obviously you don't get in because you always have that statement if i can't get out then i don't get in mm. you always have your how you how am i going to get out so yeah. if the tide is coming in and you won't be able to get out in 10 minutes then you don't get in yeah. so you always figure it out so go down there sit there with your cup of tea and study for them mm look at it um throw in a stick and see where it moves and stuff like that but i mean to be honest with you there's nothing wrong with you on a day where there's a little bit of wave standing there let the waves hit off you yeah. you don't have to swim take the hit yeah. fabulous for cellulite 
wonderful for vampire facials. I mean, look at, I tweeted Kim Kardashian once and told her not to be putting too much money into her vampire facials to come and have a cellulite busting trip with me in Dingle. Yeah. So yeah, there's so much there. You do not have to put your face in the water and head off. Just take the hit and enjoy the wallop because life, life is wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And hopefully we'll get to go for a swim someday together. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for coming to chat with me. And um, yeah, sure, you're only over the road. So hopefully I'll see you again. <laughs> Thanks, Nula. You've been amazing. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Thank you.